Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. This is Juliet Lamar, your host. I have with me today Eric Vizzoli. He is the co-founder and CEO of GoTouch VR. Hello and welcome, Eric. Hello. Thank you for the invite. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm, I am so excited about VR. I love, I love VR and I'm just really interested to see what you guys are doing with it. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about GoTouch VR and what you guys are working on. So uh, GoTouch VR was born for one simple reason, which is allow the user to touch virtual and augmented reality. That's absolutely true. We would like really the user to be able to interact with their hands and be able to manipulate virtual objects in a really natural manner without any problem, let's say, without thinking that they are in virtual and augmented reality. And what kind of companies would use this the most? Is it going to be gaming? Is it going to be training? So there are several applications for this kind of technology. Today, it's mostly, let's say, training for this kind of application because virtual reality, uh, because touch and this kind of application, the, the solution can bring real value to allow natural manipulation. Tomorrow, it can be a lot of stuff. It can be uh, engineering, bureautic, gaming, quite a lot potential in the future. So there is a lot of application that can benefit from this technology and solution. Absolutely. And, and tell us a little bit about the hardware that comes along with your technology. What does it look like? What does it feel like? So we, we took a, like, um, a pretty 
new approach for, uh, for implementing, let's say, touch technology. We can call it haptic technology into virtual and augmented reality, which was focalizing to the finger. Why the fingers? Because most of the interaction with the hand that we do in the real world goes towards the fingertip. That allowed us to build a really small haptic device, but really performing because it's based on a new kind of technology. So that we were able with uh, one device to address, which goes on the tip of the finger, to address different sizes of the hand. And so having, let's say, a standardized size that facilitates the deployment today. So right now the solution is based on wearable fingertip uh, sensor and actuators and a software solution behind that performs for the, per, the calculation necessary to drive them. Wow. So, um, so when someone's wearing it, then it, are they, you know, they're fully immersed and, and these fingers are, they're very, very receptive to what you're doing as well. What is kind of the accuracy of the movements? So the movements right now we are tracking agnostic. So we have our own, we will have our own tracking solution. We are relying on external tracking solution. Let's say leap motion. You can use whatever tracking solution that you want. We decided so because the, in the industry, there is a lot of different needs of precision and one, just one need of precision is not enough, for example, for the engineering and for the other side for the showcasing. Because showcasing doesn't need the super precise systems, but it needs a really high quality haptics as well as the engineering, but it needs a super precise tracking system. And that means that there is a lot of tracking technology around. So I think the best question is, how good is the reproduction of the touch sense that you can do? What we do perform, we can reproduce a lot of touch sensations with the technology. And the accuracy of this one is dependent on the accuracy of the tracking. So we can have sub-millimeter precision if we use ART tracking technology, or centimeter precision if we use the leap motion, for example. So it's really a, a broad question. In the sold solution right now, what we actually ship to the customer is based on the leap motion hand tracking. So we have, let's say, few millimeter precision in the finger positioning, which is enough to interface with human-machine uh, interaction, uh, the buttons to manipulate large objects and such a thing. Tomorrow, we will we'll increase the performances with integration of different tracking that will give different precision for the final user. Wow. So I feel like VR is really taking over uh, the industry right now, and it's everywhere. You know, you walk into an AT&T store and they'll have virtual reality and you know you walk in everywhere and this is the future where do you do you see this going do you see this going in what direction is you think is going to be the most used VR solutions i mean it's uh, it, it really depends from a lot of the factor but i do believe that uh, simulation and training is one of the key point i mean recently HTC published uh, a paper that said, uh, an article that said that for them at, in 2022, 30% of revenues come from enterprises and in enterprises is mostly uh, training what is used virtual reality. Then there is a lot of uh, gaming, location-based gaming. I think it will become huge for uh, the, the hardware that they can afford to pile up that is not possible to have at your home for, uh, for playing. And if at home for playing, maybe it won't be so big and straightforward because, as you can imagine, you need space, you need the uh, hardware, a lot of hardware. So I think in the near future, there will be a lot of location-based entertainment, gaming, and other experience, let's say. I see it a lot 
in, uh, in universities for uh, education, for, uh, for immersive content to get better grip on what's going on. And I see it a lot also for engineering, really, really a lot for engineering. So for me, it's uh, training engineering in company, mostly location-based entertainment and experiential entertainment, let's say, uh, for museum or such a thing, and then home gaming. These, I think, are the five verticals where virtual reality will be big in the, in the future. No, that's wonderful. And what are some of the, the biggest achievements for GoTouchVR? And what are some of the biggest challenges? And how do you cope with those challenges? So, I mean, the biggest achievement for us was to go from a, a prototype to a sellable product in less than eight months, nine months, and uh, to secure as a first customer BMW. So we were pretty happy about it. And uh, right now, now we are moving forward to, to work with, let's say, large organizations that have a specific problem where we can solve. And we're pretty happy about BMW. We have different work. We are working with different large organizations. So we are, we are really happy about that. And I cannot disclose more of what we are doing, but we are really pro progressing good. And on the biggest challenge, I mean, I can speak as biggest challenge for haptics in virtual reality and augmented reality in general is that there is, uh, let's say, no, no, there's no value chain. I mean, there is no, let's say, a Photoshop for haptics. There is no uh, a protocol for haptics. There's nothing. So the biggest challenge today is to build uh, a solution and building it general. That means that it can work also for the others. So for us, the biggest challenge today is thinking uh, platform, so building platforms, but thinking on use cases and is to find the balance between these two, these two, uh, these two aspects. Absolutely. And how did you get into VR? Give us a little background on you. So uh, the co-founder of Gotas VR, I mean, also me, we were haptic scientists. We came from academia. We studied haptics since a long time. And we decided like a few years ago, a few years back, analyzing what virtual reality was becoming with uh, Palmer Lucky and the starting of Oculus, we realized that we thought that the way to do manipulation and interaction wasn't, let's say, expressing their full potential. And so we decided to uh, step in the game and develop a solution that was both uh, potentially cheap as a hardware manufacturer in the, in the future, but extremely powerful in the capability to touch and express uh, touch sensation. And so we moved from academia and we found that GoTouchVR and we launched this, uh, this adventure a couple of years back. That's awesome. And I feel like it's something that is really needed at this point in time. You know, people are really getting used to VR. It's becoming a part of their daily life. And now this is just the next logical step is to be able to use your whole body, using all your fingers, not just, you know, gross motions. Absolutely. I think you're, you're absolutely right. There is, there is this need. I mean, everywhere it's written, uh, I want to touch virtual reality. I want to touch virtual reality. What we are trying to do, and also others are trying to do, someone in different aspects, is bring this sense into virtual reality. So bring this kind of immersion that can bring user experience, but also capability to do something that the, before you couldn't. And I think it's great. I think it's a fantastic challenge. And it, it will take some time, but maybe probably a little bit more than what actually everybody is expecting because we, you need to, we need to build everything. I mean, 
virtual reality was great because you had unity before so it was easy to design a virtual reality system because uh, there was unit for games in haptics we have also have to build the unity of haptics so we have to build everything so step by step uh, we will arrive there it will be a long journey but i believe it will be a journey full of satisfaction definitely definitely needed and and where the industry is going I mean, this really seems like this is going to be a full full body experience not long down the road mm, i believe more it will be it will be some time um because i mean hardware is not cheap especially this kind of hardware that in, you see in Ready Player One. I mean, if you see uh-huh, Ready Player One, exactly. it seems, see, this seems easy. I, I work in this field since a long time. It is possible, something that makes sense. However, it's not cheap. I mean, it's not something that goes, goes away for 500 bucks at home, I think, in the next five years. So that's why, that's why I was saying that it will be mostly location-based VR for some time. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I'm Another thing that I'm pretty sure of is that we will start to get modular on the immersion because uh, mostly it's ergonomic constraint. What does that mean? That means that a full body, a perfect full body reproduction for me, it won't be good for you because Mm -hmm. our body dimensions are really different and the haptics is really, really dependent on how good the fit over the user is. So there will be a lot of uh, if you want to get good, you need a lot of tailoring. I mean, you need a lot of design of the device on the person. So there will be some, you know, um, uh, manufacturing evolution there that would consent us to build a perfect solution on the user before actually get to the full body immersion uh, or at least get really good at the full body immersion. What have you learned? You know, you've been working in this industry in haptics for a while and now in this VR. What is one of the biggest things that you've learned by working in this field? Oh, a lot. Because <laughs> I, was, I was a scientist before and then I, I, we started to sell stuff, you, as you can imagine. Uh, it's the proper, almost contrary. Contra, they're not the same stuff. In, mm-hmm. in science, you're always doubtful and when you sell, you need to be absolutely certain that your solution is the best, which we are. But again, scientists tend to doubt themselves so the first things that we learned is that even if you're a scientist you don't know what people want and most of the time some let's say normal study there happens sometimes that the customers also doesn't know what he wants and that's probably the worst case and what i learned is that uh, you need to listen to your customers and which is stupid but they are the ones that drives the market it's not uh, the proposer of the technology so i learned that uh, the only real real judge of what you actually are doing is the final customer that seems trivial for everybody else but for me it was really really let's say i learned this one uh, during the last two years and i'm pretty happy to change my my point of view let's say definitely and that kind of leads me um into the next question which is where you know, what motivates you every day to keep, to keep happing, hacking away at this really complex problem? I mean, um, I, I, I found this company because I wanted to bring haptics and haptic technology to the market. So this, because I love what I'm doing, I, I'm absolutely fascinated of the possibility of haptics in general and what you can do with that. What we were looking back in the time was a, a business case how to bring haptics to the market. And what I'm passionate is, 
of is bring it into the market and transmit what I love to and introduce it into something that brings value to the people. So what, uh, what this company is for me, it's a way to bring what I love and uh, bring it as a business success. So what pushed me every day is how can I do that? Because a lot of people tried and a lot of people failed in this, uh, in this, uh, uh, in this market of the haptic market because I believe that was not the good business case. But I think that for virtual and augmented reality, we are a pretty compelling business case where haptics will become something big. And I want to be part of the game, let's say, because I love it. And, and it's an exciting game to be a part of because you know, it's, it's A, fun, and B, when I think about all the ways that you can train people for companies and for, and for jobs, and, and even just if people can't be in a classroom and this is their new way of going to a class, it's, it's quite exciting and accessible for everyone. The possibilities for use are truly endless. Yeah, we are, we are going, I mean, we are probably going, I'm not, I'm almost, <laughs> almost sure, but almost sure, to open the first virtual reality haptic classroom in the world in Italy next year, in September. Because we already tested it over the haptics into schools and uh, the, the, the students loved them. The students just loved it because they didn't need to use any controller and we're, they were totally free to explore with their hands what they were doing. And we were training into mechanical machines, I mean, uh, you know, CNC machines, that uh, manufacturing machines, which are extremely expensive, extremely costly and extremely dangerous. So it was pretty fine because the students were amazed by the fact that they could actually make mistakes into this machine while actually training on top of it with their hands and know that they were doing mistakes, but anyway, doing them. So they were sure what they could or couldn't do, not just with the manual that there is no retention, but they, after the virtual reality training, they were absolutely, let's say, in possession of what they would have done in reality. And then we tested up on the on the real machine, and they were they were absolutely able to use this machine in a safe manner. Uh, but that starts to say, okay, this is great because these students, we didn't need to 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 explain these students how to use a controller, how to move, or how to click a button, which is stupid, but it's a big problem if you think about it because it there is a barrier for the technology if you need to explain to someone how to do stuff. I mean, it's really easy if you think the difference between the computers and the tablet. Why the elderly people use tablets and don't use computers? Because it's, it's logical to put a finger where there is the program that you want to start, so to push, I mean, the, the icon. And why they don't you, they hardly use computer? Because it's not so, there is a barrier between you and the technology. Which is exactly the same if you use a controller or you use your hands. And what we do with touch is that we add a real button, this touchable button in the virtual world without having it. And that's changed everything for, for the uh, fa facility, the easiness to use, let's say. So I believe that will be a really, really big thing in education, virtual reality in the, in the next five years. And that's something that I have not thought about for say the older generation, how VR, might actually be a way for them to connect to computers easier because you're right there is there is a disconnect between uh, a certain demographic based on age when it comes to computers and I can even think of my own parents how much they use the tablets over computers and, and just makes sense to them and that's opening up 
technology and training to a whole group of people who still need access. Absolutely. We were discussing that with actually the European Commission like a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> where and that is really it's really sensible for for the institution because from a human human machine interaction point of view, let's see how we interact with machine, less layers you put between yourself and a machine, easier it is for you to interact naturally. And also Mark Zuckerberg told it two days, yesterday probably, to upload VR, he said, every new computing platform that exists goes towards the direction of easiness to interact and immersion. If you think about it, virtual reality today is not yet at the level that is easier to interact with it than a tablet, because you have the controller in your hand, which is similar as a, button, as a keyboard. Forcefully, the next interaction has to be with the hand and with the touch. And that would mean that the elderly people don't need to learn to use virtual reality. They just need to put, it, put on the headset and work and use it. And that would allow them to travel, but not just as you see, let's say, in, in social network today, which is someone is explaining to them how to do it and how to use the controller. But they actually just receive their kit, put it on, put their whatever haptic system on the fingers and just go with it. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced that this will happen because, I mean, one of the big problems of elderly people is mobility. They can't move. And being able to move without moving, which is what virtuality you allow to do that, is a normal possibility for them. But why not? I mean, if there is any kind of problem, they can have their own train of this problem before in virtual reality. I mean, what happens if they fall down? What they should do? What happens if their, uh, if their partner have a problem? What they should do? All of this is way, better, it's way easier to be experienced by them instead of actually uh, read them on a book. Why? Because their attention is higher and they will remember. And that would bring, I think, an enormous um, facilitation into caregiving into this kind of domains where if the elderly can retain uh, easy retain basic information through a use of immersive technology. And, and this is an, an, another side to see the problem. Exactly. And I'm, I'm thinking also virtual reality is, is not tricking your brain, but, you know, your brain, your brain is going to merge, you know, reality and, and the virtual reality quite seamlessly because it is so immersive. So this could even be good for people who are rehabbing from a stroke or, you know, from some sort of, um, you know, brain thing, because you are tricking your brain in a way to see a different reality. Absolutely. This is, there is few, there is, we have a few other companies that are doing this and aptitude for rehabilitation of the hand is something that mm -hmm. exists. There is a good company who do that. And it seems that it, ultimately it might even be a cheaper way because you're employing a machine to do it and not you know, a therapist or whatnot to have to be there for the person. No, this, the, like I said, the possibilities, and, and you and I have been discussing, is they're endless. This can go in so many positive directions. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that it will be the platform of computing of the future. I mean, it's not if it just went at this point because there's so much interest into that. Mm -hmm. That and especially so many possibilities because we need to build, we are building, I mean, everybody's building everything from scratch. Mm -hmm. We are not, because let's say mobile UI was built again and the mobile interaction was built again on how we were doing with computers because we were building on top of that. In virtual reality, we are a little bit, and augmented reality, we are a little bit 
uh, more farther away on how we interact with the technology compared with a computer or a tablet. Because computer and tablet is, is again, 2D. Virtual and augmented reality is 3D. So we are a little bit farther away. So we have to discover a lot, a lot of stuff, how to, do, how to do things. And this is a really exciting time to, to actually doing it because it will be, everything will be done in the next five years mm-hmm. on, the, on the level on how we design the UI, how we design the UX, how we actually do stuff. And a lot of people are doing it with controllers because controllers are available, but they are hardly the best way to do it as we already discussed. Mm-hmm. So there is the next way to do it and it has to be built and it's, it's great. I mean, look at the HoloLens they are doing with the top. Meta is doing with something else. Other people are doing with something else. None of them is perfect, right? Most of them kind of work, but we are not yet at the level of saying this is great. And that, that should be the aim on how to arrive at the level of how to make it this is great. Because that would mean that you generate, let's say, the iPhone of the virtual and augmented reality. Because the iPhone was not different from the telephones. It was just that the way that they built the user interface, which was the, the capacitive touchscreens, was amazing. And the user experience was amazing. So let's say, I think virtual and augmented reality today are the mobile phone, and uh, we need to pass towards the iPhone, let's say, if, mm-hmm. I, if I can make this, uh, this, this, this comparison. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, we're running out of time, but Eric, where can people find out more about GoTouchVR? You know, is it social media, your website? What's the best way to connect? Yeah, I mean, we are pretty active on Twitter. You can go GoTouchVR on Twitter, on the, on the website, GoTouchVR.com. There is not a lot of stuff on GoTouchVR.com because we are working a lot on the technology point of view. We have a product that we are selling, but it's, we are working really a lot on the, on the, on the backside. Uh, or they can reach out directly. I mean, we are really happy to answer questions and, uh, and uh, to keep you in the loop. We have our newsletter that we publish monthly. There is a lot of, a lot of updates of what we are doing, where we are, and uh, w- where you can actually test it because it, it's uh, haptics, right? So you need to touch it to believe. So it's, uh, I invite you, all of you, to, to look at the website or on, the, on, the, on the social media and on the newsletter if you want to be updated. That is wonderful, Eric, and this is such an exciting time. So thank you again so much for coming on and for sharing your knowledge and sharing your really fun company. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, like my guys uh, have a lot of fun working. We, we don't, uh, we have to say, we're not bored. We, it's not uh, a corporate job, let's say. <laughs> absolutely not, absolutely not. Well, thank you, Eric, so much. Thanks a lot for the time, and uh, have a great uh, day. You as well. That was Eric Vizzoli. He is the co-founder and CEO at GoTouch VR. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. 
Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.